Hey, this is Misha Tate, and today on the Throwing Down Podcast, my special co-host for the week, Ryan McKennell, and I recap UFC 272, we discuss AEW Revolution, and share our reactions to the latest news on Cain Velasquez. Colby Covington and George Masvidal, well... I guess they don't like each other, but Misha Tate, to uh, your point uh, before we went to break, it, it, it certainly didn't feel like that uh, as the fight was happening. Now, when the fight concluded and the middle fingers were being tossed out and the crotch grabbing ensued and it definitely was pretty clear that these two weren't going to be going out for post-fight wings, uh, I guess the rivalry was back on. But no, Misha, uh, I definitely did expect a little more venom inside the octagon on Saturday night for this rivalry fight. I mean, same. I... I... Yeah, I just think that you it just goes to show that you can you only can deliver what you can deliver and no amount of animosity once that the the, the pressure of the fight turns on. I, I, I don't think that there is any amount of, you know, anger or frustration or anything that can make you deliver more than your 100. And I, I you know, I, I don't yeah. think it was the the most entertaining fight, but I do think that guy the guys delivered the, the best way that they could, given the stylistic matchup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, and and you and you just hit the nail on the head, right? The stylistic matchup. Colby Covington, Mr. Chaos himself, is an absolute nightmare inside a cage for a myriad of reasons, right? His cardio, I think, is right up there at the top. The guy just doesn't stop. His toughness might be number two because in 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 that vein, right? He doesn't stop. It's hard to stop him, right? He's so he's got the cardio, he's got the chin, and then he's got obviously an extremely strong wrestling base with enough striking to give you problems. You put that whole sort of recipe in the stew, and it's a really, really tough problem to solve, Misha Tate. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's what we saw on Saturday night. I mean, I think that the intention yeah. to send each other out of there. Uh, you know, in a wheelchair and in a body bag. I mean, they were saying some pretty awful things to each other. I think it was the, the intention was there, but the true in truth, the delivery wasn't. Yeah, and again, uh, you know, you can have all the intentions of the world and you can hate Colby Covington. A lot of people certainly do, right? Um, dispatching of him is a whole other story, which, I mean, th- with the more dominant that Colby Covington looks outside of Kamaru Usman, and the more this does, at least for me, uh, Misha, it, it raises and elevates the the... I don't the the status of one Kamaro Usman. I mean, I already think yeah. highly of him enough. But when you think back to those fights, and I know Colby gave him problems at different points, but again, it speaks volumes to how Kamaru was able to readjust to get on the right side of things and end up with two victories over chaos. I feel like that's the biggest takeaway here is is yeah. Kamaru Usman and how he really is in a league of his own. As much as as Colby has evolved and his his striking poses yeah. different threats than than it used to, um, Kamaru Usman has managed to do that and and stay on the top by a large margin over everybody else. Over everybody else. I mean, he's fought damn near just about everybody, including Leon Edwards, even though it was years ago. Uh, that rematch, obviously, is something we're definitely looking forward to. But as we talk about rematches, uh, Misha, and we talk about what's next, I-, I-, I think it's an interesting question for both of these men, right? Colby Covington and George Masvidal. What is next? Because Covington, I mean, for as good and as dominant as he is, I don't think there's yeah. many people out there clamoring for a third fight with Kamaru Usman, even though he probably deserves it, you know, on the surface. Like, you can't 
can't really say he doesn't with as dominant as he is outside of his fights with Kamaru. And then you look at George. George, I think, is an interesting place. Yeah, he's got a bunch of losses in a row, and it's you know up and down and all that, but he just signed a new contract heading into this Colby Covington fight, and the UFC is paying him a lot of money. So, Misha, you're going to want to get some return on that. I, I don't know. I honestly have no idea what we'll do with Co- what they'll do with Covington, but I do think I have an idea on some level what you should do with Masvidal, and that's a fight with Conor McGregor. It's being thrown out there by a lot of people. They're both coming off losses. I just, in terms of interest, in terms of getting bang for your buck, if I'm the UFC and I just signed George Masvidal to a new contract extension and I'm giving him a shit ton of money, well, I got to get the most out of him, you know, in this next year or two, and, and, and a McGregor fight I, on some level would satiate that appetite. Yeah, I, I don't hate that idea at all. I, th- I certainly think that those two, with their ability to trash talk and the, the more of the striking right. style, it's it's going to, I think, play into Masvidal's, uh, allowing Masvidal to be the Masvidal that we love a little bit more, you know, than we see when he yeah. has to worry about somebody's wrestling. You know, he's worried he's not going to be able to let go as much with his hands. And obviously with Connor, I don't think that's an issue. So we do get to see them both play into their strengths, which is what we love about these guys, right? We love seeing their devastating striking. However, what if I throw a little little Robbie Lawler in the mix? A little 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 Masvidal and Robbie Lawler. We've never I seen that. I mean, that these are two, the two dogs yeah. that have been in this for a long yeah. time. I don't know what R- yeah. Lawler's, you know, what he's looking at doing. Um, you know, I, I know that he's kind of been out for a minute, what his turnaround time wants to be. But uh, that's a fight that I would be remiss to see if, especially how long they've been in this game and the fact that it's never happened. That's the kicker, right? The fact that you're talking about two of the more popular welterweights yeah. of their uh, time. Well, in, in, well, with both these guys, they both fought in multiple divisions, but obviously welterweight right now. While they're coming off of that match that we've that fight that we've been wanting to see for years, that rematch with Nick Diaz. So he is coming off a win, but prior to that, very Masvidal esque when he was taking multiple losses there, of course, to Colby Covington, uh, Ben Askren, and RDA. Um, so I wouldn't hate that. I would, from your point. A legacy fight, right? You, yeah. You talk, I, I talk about wanting to get your bang for the buck with Masvidal because you just gave him the contract extension. Okay, well, Robbie Lawler, former welterweight champ, and to your point, Misha, one of the longest tenured UFC fighters that there is, period. That That's a fight I wouldn't hate to see for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, and, and you, you speak to legacy. You know, I, I think as these guys mature yeah. through their careers, I mean, they've done so many monumental moments, future Hall of Famers without a doubt, I would be sad to see one of them hit that retirement point before fighting each other. So it feels like that moment should come sooner than later if we're going to get this fight. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. So as we turn the page uh, from George Mosfell over to Colby Covington, that's where the real curiosity lies for me, Misha Tate. I'm going to throw this out to the listeners. What do you want to see next for Colby Covington? You can throw Mosfell in there as well if you have an opinion. But uh, I'm very curious to what you all have to say about Colby Covington. 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-488. Nine three is the number. We'll be taking your calls here in hour one. Speaking of the hours, Shannon Knapp, promoter from Invicta, coming up in hour two. And in hour three, the great Megan O'Leavy stopping by as we celebrate a Women's History Month, Misha. I'm very excited to have those two ladies stop by. Oh, yes. You don't have to tempt me with a good time. I love both of these women. So this is going to be a, an epic <laughs> show. If for no other reason than these amazing ladies are going to grace us with their presence. 
For sure, for sure. And I think the last time I spoke to Shannon was when uh, you and I were doing MMA Tonight slash MMA Today uh, a year or two ago. So that'll be good to catch up with Shannon and uh, get her thoughts. She's just always a great mind in mixed martial arts. So anytime you can c- cut it up with someone like Shannon Knapp, it's uh, it's always a pleasure. But uh, back to UFC 272, Misha. Uh, Colby Covington. He's obviously gets the victory. It's a dominant victory over George Masvidal. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much the way it is when he's when he's not fighting Kamaru Usman. It's just dominant victory after dominant victory, uh, which does beg the question: What's next? Again, seems like another fight with Usman is not at least directly in the cards. I'll give Covington a lot of credit. After the win over Masvidal, Covington wasn't really clamoring for a fight with Usman. You know, Colby can be cringe a lot of the time, where I feel like a lot of his words aren't steeped in reality and I'm just like I just disregard it and move on to the next the thing I liked about Covington is he was very realistic I felt like at least in terms of his callouts when he went after uh, one Dustin Poirier that okay I mean that fight right there you know lightweight welterweight you can figure all that out and how you wanted to run it down in terms of actual weight class but um, in terms of beef in terms of that American top team sort of lineage that you know <laughs> that uh, Covington's been picking off uh, over the last few years Poirier sort of sticks in line with that. And again, Poirier coming off a loss. There's heat there. It's a natural sort of match that you can make that I don't think anybody would be mad at. What do you think about Poirier and Covington? What do you think should be next for Covington? Well, I don't love it because I think it's a terrible fight for Poirier being the smaller guy. You know what I mean? Just, just Wait. Yeah. Yeah, yes. wait. I mean, if they were or, or if Colby was coming down – might like that fight a lot more but wrestling is is such a weight is is based so much on weight advantage when I mean, you're talking about jumping mm-hmm. from 55 to 70 i mean there's a 15 pound jump right there um mm-hmm. i don't love it for 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 those reasons um but i i mean what about gilbert burns i mean we, why not gilbert burns okay. what, why is that not a, i i think that's it because he has a ground game that I feel like could give Colby some problems. When we see Colby wrestle these guys and take them down, but I think Gilbert Burns is a very skilled fighter. I like the fact that he could threaten submissions on the ground, um, but he can strike. Oh, yeah. He's very heavy-handed, too. So, I mean, you, I like if you have a really good wrestler that's kind of chaotic on the feet, likes to get people down, I think the most interesting style matchup is somebody who can give them problems when taken down. You know, you take. Are you sure you want to take this person right. down? Well, that's Gilbert Burns. One hundred percent, Dorino with a super active guard, and Misha on top of that. Uh, the guy's got some underrated uh, hand power there in his fists that we saw against oh, yeah. uh, Kamaro Usman. Like, I mean, Dorino can put you to sleep. I, I have no problem with that fight. And to your point about the mismatch and weight with Poirier and Covington, this obviously alleviates that, and you get a little bit more of a right. legit matchup when you talk about Burns and Covington. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser. And if you love sports the way I do, the people, the passion, then you'll enjoy my podcast, In Conversation, every Thursday. I've drawn from 45 years of covering all sports with people like Billie Jean King and David Duchovny and the merry prankster himself, Bill Walton. I have reached the top of the mountain. I am having a conversation with Leslie Visser. My hero. So please listen and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. AEW's first pay-per-view consumed by one cupcake, Misha Tate. And it, as you heard right there, as Misha said in hour one, might have been, Misha, 
the very first pro wrestling event that you ever enjoyed, either in person or on the old uh, pay-per-view. So I salute mean, Misha Tate. That's true. I'm going to hang my hat on it. it. It's true. And it surprised me because I thought, okay, well, I'm, I've got to watch this. You know, I'm going to talk about it on Monday. So here we go. But there were some <laughs> things that I took away from it that I was. I found myself, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm actually, I don't want to look away from the screen for a minute. I'm not going to sit here and say that I loved it, but I was certainly right. more intrigued than I well, thought listen. it was going to be. Yeah. We're yeah. planting seeds. That's what we're doing. That's, that's what I was doing years ago. Doing. We had, remember remember when, we had Stone, when we had Stone Cold? We, we had <laughs> Stone Cold. No, uh, this was my master plan. I've been plotting okay. this for years. Just like I knew you were going to come back to mixed martial arts and you were going to be a yeah, UFC yeah. fighter again, we will get you on board with pro wrestling. It's just all about finding what works for you. So we planted seeds years ago. We had Stone Cold Steve Austin on MMA tonight. We went back and forth. That was a great conversation. We got you to SummerSlam over the summer. Now... We're introducing you to Brian Danielson and John Moxley and Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho and a little bit of strong style. Misha Tate, a little bit of violence, a little bit of contact. We're getting you over here. Strong style is definitely my style if I'm looking at the what I can appreciate about pro wrestling. I have a question, though. There you go. The the, okay. the 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 real blood. I mean, do they just agree to, like, cut themselves open ahead of time? Or yeah. how do they, you know, so, yeah. and, the, and they just... Open it up during the the fight. Yeah, so, the, so they the all match? have they all have different ways. Everyone's got their own ways of hiding the blade. So it's called blading, um, gimmicking yourself, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, a lot of the time when you see uh, wrestlers with wristbands taped up in their wrists, sometimes they'll have a razor blade underneath the wrist that blade. Does not Some seem old safe. school guys, yo. Oh, you want to talk about not seeming safe, Misha? Some of the old school guys used to keep the keep fucking razor blade mouth? in their mouth. They would keep it in their mouth and then they'd spit it out during a spot where the camera wasn't on them. And then they cut, they cut, you know, take the razor blade to their forehead. And that's where you get uh, the blood that you saw last night, specifically in that uh, CM Punk uh, dog collar match with MJF. But yeah, there was a lot of violence as well in Brian Danielson and John Moxley. That, that, again, that's the difference, Misha, between pro wrestling and sports entertainment. WWE, they put on sports entertainment. AEW, they give you pro wrestling, which has some sports entertainment in it as well, some goofiness, some whatever, but by and large, what AEW does and the stories they tell, Misha, they tell their stories in the ring. And to what you're talking about, the strong style, you hit with a little bit more authority, right? You do deliver it. Yeah, you're pulling the punches a little bit, but not nearly as much as some of the other styles that you see. Like, you're laying it in to get that desired reaction from the fan base, Misha, which, you know, like you said, you were kind of going into it as whatever, and then, you know... Your your attention got grabbed as the show went along due to the violence. Yeah, there were there were some things I recognized, you know, that I'm like, well, that that's actually a real we're a naked choke. That was a yeah. real outside single. That was a real wrestling <laughs> stance. I'm like, okay, that was a real triangle. I'm like, okay, well, I know that there's some drama and I know they're playing into it and they have a show to create, but the moves at least I could recognize. They're like, okay, well, if they wanted to actually execute this, they're doing it right. Yeah. Well, listen, both of these men. Uh, when you talk about John Moxley when he was Dean Ambrose in WWE and Daniel Bryan who is now Brian Danielson, uh, you know, giving their both their names in WWE and uh, uh, AEW, they uh, lived out here. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, Misha, I believe he was a roommate of someone we know, Joey Varner, when he was at Extreme Couture and Danielson back in like 08, 09, when I used to go down to uh, Extreme Couture, Danielson was there. So when you talk about Danielson and Moxley, these are two men that do train on the mats that do know actual they... jiu-jitsu 
that do know actual MMA. I would yeah. say they they have to because there's no way that they would have yeah. the knowledge base to actually execute in those ways. And I think that's what I appreciated about it. Now, yeah. moving on from these guys, though, I did have to watch the ladies' match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. I mean, I've we've had uh, on yes. this channel we've had both of these ladies on, so I feel like there's kind of a connection I have with them, um, and. I, you know what I mean? I thought it was, okay, well, I have a question. So, so, so okay. Britt Baker tapped, but the ref didn't see it. What does that mean? Like if you Correct. tap, is the match done? Oh, it's supposed that's... to be? No, it's Tom. No, that's Tom Foolery. Yes. If you submit, if you tap out, you're supposed to theoretically, the right. fight's over. So Thunder Rosa won on two different occasions. If you go back to what we saw last night, but unfortunately, Misha, uh, the referee didn't see the tap. So. Brett, Britt Baker overcomes, retains, even though she actually tapped out twice during the course of that match. But that that's a tomfoolery. That's okay. a shenanigans of pro well, wrestling. I wasn't sure. Misha I, was like, okay, I wouldn't now. think that's what that meant, but is that what <laughs> am I? Yeah, okay. So I'm trying to figure it out. Okay, I'm connecting the dots over here. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, no, you know, the real bummer for that, and listen, um, I, I don't know how you get around it, but I felt like the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa match uh, was affected a little bit by crowd burnout because the crowd had been going hot for so many hours and they were coming off that great dog collar match between MJF right. and CM Punk. I, I felt like I felt like the crowd was a little bit in a lull for that match. Not that they wanted to be, they just couldn't help themselves. And I thought actually the same thing happened with Moxley and Danielson. The crowd had been going for so long and they had burned through so much energy. I thought those matches had suffered a little bit in terms of uh, in terms of crowd engagement. I think you're right about that. That's what I noticed about the Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker yeah. match, and I was really trying to give it everything too. But I had yep. I had just witnessed, you know, that that dog collar match too, and I was I mean there was blood, and there was just Whew. this extra, there was an extra element to it that I was pretty shocking to me. And obviously CM Punk coming over, you know, I knew he he was in the UFC for a little bit, and then he went back, and so so I had yep. a little bit of investment, and then it also had. Uh, MJF on the radio show before too so I'm like okay these two people I kind of know that helps right to be able to get into it and and another angle there's another reason for me to be invested that match was insane and I I couldn't believe how much blood there was I was like this is next level commitment (laughs) I mean these guys are really willing to cut themselves up and 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 I mean it has to there has to be moments when that stuff really hurts too I mean the Moxley match when that I mean it has to be moments when that really hurts (laughs) I would never just let someone, you know, intentionally fly at my face with their their foot and not like put my hands. I mean, it's just such a interesting way to make yourself vulnerable so that the appeal of the moment. But I mean, if that person who's charging at you miscalculates in in any way, it's like you have to have a lot of trust in your partner, I think, um, to go through, you know, to be hands down, to be hand, you know, hands hanging on the rope and just let someone in the back of your head, too. I saw that. I was like, how do they know that's coming? You know, like well, back of the I, head you're is talking not about even... the kick. You're talking about yeah. the kick Moxley landed to Danielson. I actually think that was an accident. I can't speak because I wasn't. I'm obviously not calling the match, but it looked like he was aiming for like around the shoulder area, and from the sweat, it kind of slipped up and drilled Danielson in the back of the head. Now, the reason I say that I think that was not the plan because Danielson has serious concussion issues. It's what kept him out of WWE for multiple years. He had to retire from the business because of concussions and head trauma, right? And then you see a shot like that land to the back of the head oof and Misha to your point about 
you know, it's got to hurt. That's why you sometimes like if someone calls it fake or if someone, you know, like why you've caught heat before. Right. Like when you've to- spoke your mind about pro wrestling, yeah, uh, pro Misha, really the pain they AEW before. So this is a little different. <laughs> right. And I think I'm definitely going I'm going to change your mind more of the AEW matches than 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 WWE yeah. at, at going moving well, forward, because it's what you were kind of clarifying the difference for me. This I could appreciate yeah. this more. There's a lot of people out there that prefer that style to WWE style, and you'll get a lot of that. It's like the Coke versus Pepsi, right? The Xbox versus right. PlayStation. It, in the pro wrestling world, now that AEW is here after just three short years, we finally have a sort of a return to what we had in the 90s when we were growing up, Misha, when you had WCW and WWF and Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan, and they were kind of going back and forth, the NWO and, and everything that was happening with WWF at the time with the Attitude Era. There was that, that Coke versus Pepsi sort of dialogue which we haven't had in pro wrestling for many many years it's back because aew is not only giving you a product that you can consume and enjoy they're doing it with stars that you know former wwe stars new fresh stars that they're bringing over and building it's just a really cool time and dynamic in professional wrestling and misha i'm glad you're 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 at least slowly coming around to it and again that's what it is it's planting the seed right now you will always remember moxley and danielson as listen i don't know if it's gonna you're gonna be attending events with me and sitting ringside and <laughs> having a blast and throwing back shots but it is definitely a benchmark in your pro wrestling understanding to where you realize that holy shit this isn't exactly the business that i thought it was yeah there was another there was two more things well actually that kick to the back of the head also happened with the hangman adam page like remember when he was like facing like there's two guys that came out that in the last in the main event that kind of distracted him and he was standing up with the cage and another guy came running across yes. and just like and i'm like how did they no, when I guess maybe they count the feet <laughs> running. I was just like, that was kind of had me perturbed a little bit. Like how they get hit in the back of the head and, and are prepared for that in, in any way. And then also the fact that Darby Allen is from Seattle. I'm not sure if I should be proud of that. <laughs> that maniac claiming him from my, my area. But um, they gave me another reason to, to watch. And, the, the, you know, the, the trash can and all that stuff was, uh, well, it was yeah. interesting to say the least. How about how yo? How about sixty-two-year-old Sting jumping off the mother-loving balcony? <laughs> what is that about? Sixty-two, Misha. Sixty-two. Very impressive. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I so so I did watch that match, and I didn't know who that who Sting was. I think maybe I I just was trying to take oh, it no. all in, and I was focused on Darby. Oh, well, no. when you guys were talking about oh, Sting no. Sting in oh, the no. pre-show, I thought you were talking about the singer. Uh... No! No! Sting, man! Hall of Famer! Ow! Sting! Fucking Sting! Oh, God. I was like, oh, okay. He's a musician's son. Darby's a musician's son. Okay. I was like, and then I looked up and I was like, oh, no. Sting is, oh, he's that guy that was in the match? Oh, okay. I get it. I didn't know he was 62 years old at the time either. So now I'm like, wow. I mean, he had, I couldn't have told you. He had his face all painted. I couldn't tell he was 62 years old. The man was a damn acrobat. <laughs> that is so accurate, Cobb. That is so accurate. Oh man, Misha. I thought Sting out of everyone was the one guy you would know because Sting's been around since like nineteen ninety. This guy means, when I talk yeah, about WCW when I talk about WCW versus WWF, Sting was a big part of that in the nineties. Like Sting was for me in nineteen ninety one where Hogan was running uh rough shot in WWF, Sting was the counter to that. Like he was the colorful good guy slash babyface in WCW and now here he is all these years 
later, Misha Tate, jumping off is, balconies. But is he not as much of a household name? I mean, is that fair to say? Because how did I know Hulk Hogan? That's I mean, there's like yeah. dolls of him and stuff. Like, well, and I didn't follow it at all. Yeah. 1990 pro yeah. wrestling means absolutely nothing to me. I never watched it. Yeah. But I saw Hulk Hogan in like other things, like other shows that yeah. crossover, and I saw like a doll of him. So I think the fact that if you are a wrestling fan, I mean, I'm sure you know who Sting is, and you probably think that I'm insane. But if you're not a wrestling fan, I don't see that he had as much crossover as some of yeah, the other no. guys. Yeah, it's not the same. Like, there's an upper echelon, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, yeah. The Rock, yep. Ric Flair. Those guys, and I then know. there's then there's kind of like everybody else. And that's not a disrespect to The Undertaker or Sting or anybody like that because they're legends in their own right. And maybe, you know what? Maybe Undertaker is in that upper echelon. I don't really do know. Do you think it but, has to um, do with their, is... the fact that they're always, they have makeup, but they're always in character as opposed to the other guys who are kind of just, uh... you know, more who like kind of, you know, I'm sure their personality is different, but they're represented who they are 24-7. They don't change their look. That's interesting. Um I mean, because of the names I just did mention, right? The Rock, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, right. and Rick They're Flair. All they all just are who they are. So it's easy to just put them in, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. you want at the time. Like, and, yeah. you know, whatever shows, and it's just who they are. Like, I can't imagine a face-painted character like that coming in and, 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 and doing, a, a, you know, an appearance on another show and it making much sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good uh, astute observation on your part. Inside the Green Room with three-time NBA champ Danny Green. Ben Simmons refused to be your teammate. On March 10th, he can potentially return to Wells Fargo Center as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Are you shaking hands? It all depends on how that game goes, how he interacts in that game. I highly doubt he plays in that game. And if he does, I highly doubt he wants to shake hands before or after that game. Don't miss an episode of Inside the Green Room with Danny Green every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcast. We've got an update coming down uh, just uh, about an hour ago up there in uh, San Jose. Cain Velasquez has been denied bail in his attempted murder case this coming uh, per a Santa Clara County Court spokesperson, uh, spokesperson, excuse me, Judge Selena Brown of the Santa Clara County uh, Superior Court saying that his, quote, risk is too great. Uh, they released a statement. It is clear to this court that there is a clear and convincing evidence that there is a substantial likelihood that release would result in great bodily injury, not just uh, to the named complaining witnesses in this case, but to Santa Clara residents at large. This case involves allegations of extreme recklessness to human life. Now, Misha, that's the update. But a lot of people are saying here, sitting here on a Monday saying, wait a minute, this is the same court that let the alleged molester that Velasquez was intending to shoot and an alleged molester who had allegedly Misha over 100 complaints of sexual abuse allegations. Right. That man was let out on bail. That's why Kane went after him because he found out that he was on bail and then he went and ran him down allegedly and shot in him and shot into the car, right? So the alleged molester was let out on bail, but Cain Velasquez is being held without bail and there are a lot of people out there kind of with their hand, hands in the air and can't make uh, you know up or down of this, Misha Tate. No, no, it's, it, it's, it's effed up. I, I think... Yeah. The, I'm pissed that the that the child molester was let out of of jail. I think that the whole bail system should be withheld for certain crimes. I think that if you are you know in for for child molester, hundred counts, you joking me? You're gonna let this allegedly, man out if allegedly, if you can yeah. if you can hand over enough money. 
that you're going to let him out so that he can go potentially ruin, you know, ruin other children's lives before he gets, you know, tried and, and put away. Uh, it's frustrating. However, the way that, that Cain handled it, I mean, I get it. I'm a parent. I understand. Yeah. There's nothing that I wouldn't do to protect my children. And it just makes me insane to even think of something like that happening and how I would react. However, you have to be a little bit more level-headed and, 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 and cool, calm, and collected. Uh, you can't just, you know, no. go raging out with a gun and shoot. And then he, he shot, you know, someone else on accident. I mean, just right. that in its in itself says a lot about what can happen when you just let this kind of anger get the better of you. Um, you know, he wasn't even able to get what he wanted accomplished. You know what I mean? And and I, oh. I'm i not going to sit here and say what he wanted to do, but I think it's pretty obvious. Um, but he shot. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he wanted to hurt the person. Man. Whether he wanted to kill, whether he wanted to kill him or whether he wanted to put a hole in him, whatever right. the case yeah. may be. He chased him down allegedly for 11 miles, rammed his truck into his truck. And there is video of it. Like, I mean, this was a high speed pursuit that resulted in Cain Velasquez firing shots into a car in broad daylight. Right. Like not the best look for Velasquez. And, and Misha, as we talk about not the best look, I mean, this has me concerned. Because Cain Velasquez has an all-star legal team with Mark Garagos of Garagos and Garagos, right? Celebrity of the stars. He, he, this uh, Garagos um, represented Colin Kaepernick in his uh, claims against the NFL. Like, Garagos is an accomplished attorney, right? The fact that they're withholding bail from Cain, like, and the fact that it's seemingly, like, again, that they're, this is a big story, that was my concern from the beginning. Like, are they going to make an example out of Cain Velasquez? He's this right. former UFC heavyweight champion, MMA, cage fighting, it's violent, it's human cockfighting. Then, you go, oh, well, you've got another, you know, a giant Mexican man with brown pride tattooed across, across his chest. Like, they, I, I just, I, the optics of it, I'm worried if they try to make an example of Cain Velasquez. When, yeah. Let's, I mean, listen, we... <laughs> It is a horrible story. I'm not for vigilante justice, but in terms of the human aspect of it and the trying to understand, like we know Kane from the MMA space, Misha. I've never heard even anyone even try to conjure up an inkling of something negative to say about Cain Velasquez. He's one of the most beloved people in this sport. Like he's a truly good person that clearly lost his way. This is just, yeah. this is one of those stories that's unfortunate for everybody involved. And it's also unfortunate that Cain didn't hit the right person. <laughs> yeah, no, n yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm surprised laugh, that, yeah. that, yeah, I mean, I don't surprise, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't just use his, his body pull him out of the car and beat this guy to a pulp you right? know i saw joe rogan Your comment that, that he wished he would just beat i mean yeah. because adding adding yeah. a weapon you know a, a weapon actually a firearm to this is uh, is another thing mm -hmm. too and then obviously you risk run the risk of hitting someone else which is what happened and no. um there's just so many other ways that this could have been handled even if he did want to get his hands on this guy it's just like you just did it in the worst way with the worst outcome and it's just so yeah. hard to see i don't think that kane is a is a liability to anybody if he were to be let out of this other than maybe the child molester who should be locked up anyways. Hey, hey. Well. Well, yeah, but that's the that's what the judge said, though, right? Like there's substantial risk, not only to the, you know, the plaintiff and the witness that was allegedly shot at, but to the the, 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 the citizens of Santa Clara County, which I mean, it's hard to argue with. Right. Kane went on an 11 mile car chase where he allegedly yeah. where he was ramming his truck into his truck and then he fired open shots into the car in broad daylight. Like, I don't love that the molester got bail. The alleged molester got bail and, and, and Velasquez that's didn't. I think it, it puts. 
It's uh, well, that, it's it's horrible optics for the American justice system, right? It Nisha? is. It's it like, is. what are we doing here? That you can hand over yeah. money. So and, I don't and love be it. Out, be let out for that for sure. It's out. but you know, Kane, he has his 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 children to think about. You know, I don't know how long he's going to be in jail yes. for, but I mean, the children's suffrage on top of suffrage. Yep. Uh, and that was the real thing for me is now potentially your daughter, your kids are not going to have a father to grow up with. And it's that's where it's just a horrible story all the way around. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the Sirius XM podcast network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.